0: join me in your Bible, in Matthew chapter 10, and before we begin, let me read the words again that we just sang, they definitely pertain to this passage, all hail King Jesus, all hail Emmanuel. King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning star. And throughout eternity, I'll sing His praises. And I'll reign with Him throughout eternity. And I'll reign with Him throughout eternity. Ladies and gentlemen, that day is coming since the creation of the world God's people have been crying out to God with an expectation that day is coming and that day is coming as I indicated a moment ago Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come your will be done On earth as it is in heaven. That day is coming. And when it comes. It will be here forever. And we will look back on this life. This experience that we are in right now. As if it was just the blink of an eye. And we will be in the welcoming presence of God. He will have a glad Smile on His face as He welcomes His redeemed ones. As He welcomes His redeemed ones. We will conclude this worship service today reflecting on the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. He brought His body. He came, God the Son, becoming fully a man and lived that life of perfect righteousness in our place. That we couldn't do. And then He went as the sinless Lamb of God and took our place experiencing the judgment that was due to us on the cross. He paid sin's penalty fully for every member of the human race. But the benefit only comes to those who simply say, it's as simple as this, I want that. I want that who here can quote John one twelve for us John one twelve John one twelve say that again no that's one four that's oh, you're close that's verse fourteen John one. Twelve. As soon as I asked it, it jumped jumped out of my own brain. I know what it says, but I can't qu- Okay, John one twelve. But as many as received him, Christ, to them he gave the right, the power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Did you know you have an, you have authority in the kingdom of God? You have authority. You have the right to choose him. You have the right to choose. You have the right to hold out an empty hand and say, will you put into my hand forgiveness? Will you put into my hand the very righteousness of your son? And his, his answer 100% of the time is yes, with delight. So that even a man such as the thief crucified beside Jesus, who said, I deserve to be crucified could say to Jesus will you remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus said you will be with me this day in paradise folks we don't know fully what that man did but to admit you deserve crucifixion I think we can agree (laughs) whatever it was had to have been pretty hideous and yet he found a welcome with the Holy God because Jesus the Son of God crucified right beside him had just finished paying sin's penalty for him. That's it. That's it. Now we find these words. Jesus, in in Matthew chapter 10, as we've been in for a couple of messages now, he's called the 12 apostles. From among his disciples, he's called 12. They're named, and he's given them the commission on how they are to behave, how they are to proceed with their ministry. And it's been pretty tough. Now, thank you, God, they've been with him for probably at least two years. And they've been through ministry with him. And so the things he's going to place on them are things they've already experienced. They've already walked this walk with him. Now he's going to send them out two by two, but to walk in the same way they've been walking with him. And so we're going to pick up here in chapter, I'm going to start in verse 27, uh, just to give us a running start, Matthew 10, 27, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Wait a minute. You just told me not to be afraid of somebody who can kill me. That's what I'm afraid of. And you told me not to be afraid of it. That's right. I'm telling you, don't be afraid of it because that's not a big deal. Having your physical body killed, that's. that's yeah. The soul. The real you. We are not bodies with souls. We are souls with bodies. And that's very important for us to understand. Our physical body is a domicile the real us lives in. Don't be afraid of the one who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God. Walk respecting God. Not respecting the persecutor. Don't fear Him, fear God. And I'm using fear here in some sense. You ought to be scared to death if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior. But if you have, the word fear here is a synonym for respect. Respect. What He says to you. I mentioned earlier the names of God. The names of God tells you what God is like and how He acts, what He does. Walk in recognition of that. We saw an episode earlier in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus tells the disciples, let's go get in this boat and go across the sea. They got in the boat. Jesus laid down. He went to sleep. And all of a sudden, they are hit by a powerful storm. And these men are experienced seamen. They are fishermen. At least some of them are fishermen. They are in a storm that they know is life-threatening. And Jesus is just sleeping. They find would you wake up we're about to die oh gentlemen where's your faith peace be still <laughs> storm stop now not only did the storm stop it became calm now anybody who's an experienced seaman knows the storm stops the sea doesn't become calm sometimes for hours or days he calmed the sea as well as stopped the storm who is this they're asking his disciples are asking that's not a bad question to ask by the way I don't care how many times you've read the Bible it's when you get in a fix and he delivers you from the fix. Even though you know his names, even though you've seen how he acts in the life experience of other people around you or in the Scripture, when it happens to you, your eyes get wide. Oh, he's my deliverer too! Not just Ed's or Mike's. He's my deliverer too. He's loyal to me too. And he's present in all of who he is. All the time. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And so we have people strutting around our planet right now who act as if they've got the tiger by the tail. They're large and in charge. They're the ones who are really... No. They are laughingstocks in heaven. Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Let's rebel against God and tear off these ropes that he's put on us. Let's rebel against his Christ, his anointed. What's the next verse? He who sits in the heavens laughs. He holds them in jerseys. Is he threatened by their rebellion? Eh. Not a bit. Not a bit. Let me tell you a story. This is just a couple days ago. It's a very sad story. One of the men, that people that we prayed for, Dennis Montgomery. Now, if you looked at Dennis Montgomery, and Jim will remember Dennis, he's been about a year and a half. Deni- Dennis is kind of a big guy, and if you looked at him, well, he's kind of a big, kind of, maybe a little bit sloppy guy. And uh, Dennis is a, now he's kind of debilitated now, but he's like a 10th degree black belt, black belt Korean kickboxer. But he's got a—he's crippled enough that he's got one of those signs for his truck that he can park in the crippled parking spot. And uh, he was coming home about four in the morning. He stopped at this Seven-Eleven there in San Antonio, and he's he's parked in the crippled parking. Well, it's middle of San Antonio. Even the Seven-Eleven, even then, is the place is packed. Well, he comes out. And he's getting in his truck and this guy had parked behind him and he's comes up stalking up to Dennis. This guy Dennis weighs about 240. This guy weighs about 360 way over six feet. And he's really angry at Dennis because Dennis is parked in the in this handicapped parking space. And Dennis says, well, I have a right. And he pulled this. He reached in, pulled out of his seat. I shouldn't I should have had it hanging up here. But I, you know, I'm this is righteous. And the guy still probably was drunk got really mad at and he punched him right in the face and if his fist had been a little more dead on he would have broken his nose it is as it was it's swollen up broke his glasses now the guy thought i'm totally master of the situation dennis did a swirling fist thing and did a ki- he broke the guy's jaw in three places broke a bunch of ribs the guy's on the ground and he keeps trying to get back up and every time he does Dennis kicks him in the head again and the police finally showed up <laughs> and here's it's all on tape it's all on the security tape and yet the police arrested him he spent the rest of the night in jail and then in the morning when the judge looked at it he said that was self defense bye go home the point is, we expect things to be a certain way. Here's a guy that was strutting around the parking lot. I can do to this guy what I want to do. I'm going to punch him right in the face and I will walk away. No, that guy's still in the hospital because he picked on the wrong guy. Well, when somebody... We prayed earlier for the persecuted church. We prayed for our brother. When... Someone, an enemy of God, puts their hand on one of God's people to harm them. God's paying attention. He's paying attention. He who sits in the heavens laughs. He holds them in derision. It's comedy, stand-up comedy material in heaven. So these people strutting around down here that want to oppress us with how strong they are, Compared to God. They're comedy material. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? What's a sparrow? We I guess they sold them to eat them. I don't know. And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God is even paying attention to the sparrows. Don't ever, ever, ever walk in the idea that somehow God is distracted. That this whole business is just too big for him to be on top. No. No. No, not at all. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. You take a stand for me here in this place that's very dangerous, a lot of opposition, but you take a stand for me here and I'll take a stand for you up there. And all of heaven's resources will be poured out upon you. All of heaven's resources will be poured out on you. Nothing will be held back. God will be there for you. He will be there for you. You confess me before men. Whoever confesses me before men, him him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever, and he's speaking to his disciples here, not to the general audience. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And so if I, as a disciple of Jesus, just decide, you know, it's getting a little bit too difficult here. as The threat is too large. I think I'll just quietly retreat. Jesus says, well, then I think I will quietly retreat also. From you. Heaven's resources will not, not be available to you. If you're not willing to take a stand for me when we baptize people and I'll I'll just say that in the scripture the normal pattern that you see in the scripture particularly the gospel accounts and in the book of Acts is there will be some pagan fellow or woman that will come to faith in Christ and what is the first act of obedience having come to faith in Christ what is their first act of obedience it is to be baptized just take a public stand for Christ now we typically do it in the American church and I would say probably around the world the typical thing is we do often do baptisms inside the church before a Christian audience well that wasn't how it was done in the first century no 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 you went to the town square and here's a water well here, or you bring water with you, and here are all, here, you're, you're, you're Joe Pagan, who's now become Joe Christian. But none of your old friends in sin know about this, because it just happened. Well, one of the things that is hugely beneficial to you is if you can make a stand before all your old friends in sin at once. Instead of doing it one at a time, you get it all done at once. And, so, and Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 4. And he says in the same way that the ark was the vehicle for uh, Noah and his family to escape the judgment that fell on everybody else, baptism now saves you. But not the washing away of the filth of the flesh. I'm not talking about the water. This isn't magic water, but the answer of a good conscience before God. Ed. What in the world makes you so confident that you, Ed Nash, of all people, can say that you have a clear, clean conscience before the Holy God? Answer that you find there in 1 Peter, because Jesus paid sin's penalty for me. I'm a child of His mercy. Now, you are not only declaring that for your own benefit, You're making that point with all your old friends in sin. Well, then I guess we can't expect that guy Ed to go down up to the taverns with us. And I guess we can't expect him to go to the pagan temples with us anymore. And so you've got it all done at once. So that's a huge benefit to you. You've also given them the gospel. So they've heard the gospel. It's a benefit for them. It's a benefit for you because you've already made a point with the whole community (laughs) that you're now aligned with Jesus and all of heaven's resources are poured out. You just confessed him before men. And all of heaven's resources are poured out on you. And as Peter says, not the washing away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Christ. How do I know that I have a, my conscience has been cleansed? How is it that I know that in heaven, All that list of my crimes has been washed away because Jesus was raised from the dead. That is God's visible, provable event so that we could know, yes, what Jesus did on the cross was effective for me. Verse 34, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword... Let me tell you what, folks. This is tough stuff. You're going to have opposition. You're going to have a lot of opposition. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Worldwide, typical experience especially when the gospel is coming into a new community, a new country, a different culture that has not been had the influence of Christianity, most of the opposition and persecution will come from within a person's own family. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. ouch, ouch. Ouch, ouch. That is the first instance in all of the gospel accounts when Jesus points his followers to the cross and says you need to carry a cross. Now, in our hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years distance from actual crucifixions, it doesn't carry the power with us that it would have with them. These people have seen people crucified. They know how horrendous it is. And Jesus is telling them, you need to be willing to take up a cross and follow after me. Jesus, you're making this harder and harder. Why don't we just stop right now? I want you to understand what I'm calling you to and oh By the way, if you do this, you will be glad that you did. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life, the one who clings to his life and says, I think I'll just go live quietly and not really be vocal about Jesus. The one who finds his life will lose it. He will come into the presence of God where he might have experienced great kingdom reward. And Paul talks about this in both First and 2 Corinthians. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's not a judgment for the punishment of sin. It's a judgment for purposes of reward. And Paul talks about the people that come and they have nothing to show. And he specifically says they will be saved. They will be, pres- they will be present in the kingdom. But so is by fire. They won't have the kingdom glory and gifts that they might have had if they had been walked in loyalty to Christ. He who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life in this world for my sake, he will find it. When will he find it? Where will he find it? Where will she find it? When they step into the presence of Jesus into the glory into the glory that he is so eager to share with us. How eager is he? How adamant is Jesus in his desire to bring us into kingdom glory? And folks, let me remind you, this is going to happen. He who receives you, he who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. You walk into a person's house. It's really not you they're welcoming. It's me, and he receives me, receives him who sent me, my father, as well. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, or receive a prophet's reward. How eager is he to pour out rewards on us in his kingdom? He's looking for every excuse. He receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Have you welcomed missionaries into your home? If you have, God says, okay, I'm going to share their reward with you. Not that they will lose anything, but I am looking, I am... God is so hungry... To pour out blessings on us. Now, every grandparent knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know, just before, you know, the, the, the children come and the little kiddos are with them, and just before they go out the door. Grandma and granddad look around, and when dad and mom aren't looking, they run in and they grab a whole bunch of sugary treats and they give these to these kids. <laughs> oh man, this is so much fun! And then the kids go home with dad and mom, <laughs> and they deal with the sugar fits. But what do those grandkids think of, dad, of grandpa and grandma? Oh, we want to come back. We love them, love them. Well, God is looking for God loves us that same way. And whatever, and whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of walk cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means receive his reward. And so Mama, you're standing there at the sink and little Johnny or Judy comes up to you and says, could I have a, a drink of water? Well, sure. You don't think twice about it. It's just what you do. Up in heaven, there's an angel saying, okay, got that. And that you're going to be reminded of that kindness that you didn't even think twice about. You're going to be reminded of that at the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to get a reward for that and you. That's how eager he is to reward us. That's how much he loves us. As he wants to pour out as much heaven's blessing on us as we can even remotely qualify for. Matthew chapter 10 is a tough chapter. It is about all the opposition they're going to experience that we are experiencing. And around this world, God's people are experiencing. What was He saying? Kingdom glory will more than make up for it. You won't even think of comparing it when you step into my presence. We come to the Lord's table now, and it is so important. For us to celebrate you know the Bible doesn't say it will be done once a week or will be done once a month or there's no mandate in the scripture about how often let me tell you folks it is so important because what is this this is taking us back to to center this is center of gravity the Lord's table brings us back to the center of gravity why do I have a welcome with God why am i a child of god a full heir of god it's because jesus did it for me it is a perfect place for us to rid our minds of any idea that somehow we've added some virtue to what jesus did no jesus As we're going to sing at the close of this service, we sing it almost every single Sunday. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That's what we're commemorating here. What he's done.